Welcome to Screw the Hierarchy, episode 74. This is Deb Falzoy, and this week I'm talking about the overlap between discrimination, bullying, and diversity trainings as the solution. And I'll give you a hint, it's not going to do much. It isn't doing much. Do you want to hear what I have to say this week? More after this. If you're a target of workplace abuse and want to break free of the grips of abusive power, you've found your place. I'm your host, Deb Falzoy, and the podcast begins now. I want to talk this week about the overlap between bullying and discrimination and this issue of diversity and inclusion being the solution to that. Um, And I'm going to just kind of give a brief overview of this and get more in depth in it in in future episodes. But I want to do this through the through a couple of of articles. The first one is called Gen Z Workers Dealing with High Rates of Harassment and Discrimination. This is from a publication, an online source called BenefitNews.com from June 8th of this year written by Alyssa Place, and she says that virtual workplace bullying is on the rise during COVID, and Gen Z employers are are bearing most of the brunt of this abuse. Um, According to a survey from an organization called TenSpot, which is an employee engagement platform, 86% of Gen Z workers had reported that they had experienced discrimination or bullying at work with sexual harassment and LGBTQ discrimination being uh, two of the most common issues. And they also said that they're dealing with these issues on their own, that 22% reported that HR had done a poor or horrible job in dealing with the bad behavior. And they're saying that this is this problem or this increase is is partly because of when you take uh, employee interaction online and you you remove the employer from being able to keep behaviors in check, then the in, the rates the incident rates go up. Um, you see an uptick, and with that uptick, um, it's sort of this kind of cyclical pattern of like with without things being able to be monitored and because COVID. Uh, was was stressful as it was, but the the mental health, um, you know, the mental health uh, effects and increases of mental health issues and the stressors increasing, um, that in turn also led to bad behavior. Um, they reported that since the start of the pandemic, forty four percent of employees had received disciplinary action due to their behavior while working remotely. And this is from a report from the payroll payroll service company, Paychex. So because people are leaving their jobs due to toxic workplaces, um, and they're reporting one in five workers, um, HR, they're suggesting that HR HR managers take a serious look at this issue before it gets out of control. I would argue that it is already ridiculously out of control, which I will report on in future episodes um, based on a survey we recently did in Massachusetts. But, um, you know, they they report, as we know, that this is an issue that affects the individual, the organization, society, 
um, and it affects our well-being. So this is this is where it gets interesting. They said to combat harassment and discrimination, employees want better training that addresses social issues like diversity and inclusion, women and LGBTQ rights, and mental health awareness. They found this the same company, 10 Spot, found that 86% or sorry, 56% of all employees would feel more engaged and productive at work if their employer addressed these things. Um, you know, they can they're they're suggesting relying on digital tools, check-ins, morale boosting, social activities, um, all all in the name of allowing employees to do their best work. And those intentions are great. Um, but this is in contrast to what experts say. And I'm looking specifically to Ellen Berry, who's going to be talking at our uh, next Redefine Virtual Summit on Saturday, June 26th. She is a sociology professor at the University of Toronto, and she has a viral article um, from Salon called Diversity is for White People, the Big Lie Behind a Well-Intended Word. Um, And she argues through this article and based on her research, which I've read her book, Rights on Trial, and I know how extensive her research is on these issues. Um, you know, she says that 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 this word diversity is well-intended, but it leaves us without a language for making sense of ongoing racism or deliberately effective policy responses. And that's the big key here, is that this, this needs to come from... Um, we need to solve this by coming up with actual policy responses. This isn't a matter of simply training employees and hoping, you know, crossing our fingers that things get fixed. This is, we need actual viable solutions. So she talks specifically in this article about um, the fact that a lot of what we're doing around diversity and inclusion is superficial. She says we need fewer cheerful logos and more effective action. She says like an honest reckoning with racist housing policies that have robbed people of color of wealth, like affirmative action policies at work and in universities, which have effectively moved people of color up the economic ladder, like support for collective union bargaining, like the decriminalization of recreational drug use and addiction. And she says, instead, the diversity movement gives us doctored photos in college brochures. It gives us investment banks that keep hiring rich white Ivy League grads. It gives us um, Matt Damon's denial of racism, which she, she specifically talks about earlier in the article. She says diversity is not the wake-up call that white America needs. She says it's the snooze button. So she's saying we need actual policy change here. We cannot just keep um, hiring, you know, token people in, in positions. We can't just keep having diversity and inclusion offices while our boards are entirely white people or have token um, black people or Latinx people on them and there's not nothing meaningful coming out of them. So Ellen Berry goes on to specifically talk about trainings that were mentioned in the Z article. And she says, 
quote, even in the hands of the well-intended, diversity leaves us without a language for making sense of ongoing racism or deliberately effective policy responses. A rigorous study by sociologists at University of California, Berkeley, Harvard University, and University of Minnesota shows that corporate diversity trainings are especially counterproductive, despite being the most popular program in the multi-billion dollar diversity management industry. These trainings do not move white women or most people of color into management, and they actually decrease black women's odds of becoming managers by 7%, perhaps because they they can breed resentment. Likewise, in the neighborhood I studied, politicians promoted small-scale homeownership housing programs for the middle class in the name of diversity, but these race-blind programs were altogether insufficient for addressing the displacement of the low-income majority Black and Latino renters getting railroaded by condominium conversions. She says diversity talk is a convenient solution to new racial challenges. Those who lead companies, universities, and communities confront the widespread expectation that there will be at least one high-profile person of color, typically a token Black person, in an otherwise majority white environment. The problem is far from fixed, though, with just four black CEOs in the Fortune 500 and racial segregation rampant across the workplace. She actually um, goes on to say that to create integrated companies, more than 50 percent of employees of employees would have to swap jobs. Leaders today also must govern an increasingly small white population that commonly harbors racial fears and anxieties, if not out-and-out bigotry. The title of a social psychological study out of Harvard Business School and Tufts University captures a disturbing finding. Whites see racism as a zero-sum game that they are now losing. She says, that's right, white folks think they have it worse off than black people. So the bottom line here is that training is not the solution. Maybe it can be part of a solution. Um, It can be counterproductive in, in some situations, mostly because when companies are training people, the training becomes a sign of their complete hypocrisy around the issue, that they espouse certain values of wanting diversity and inclusion, but then when it comes to actual behavior, they're doing nothing, which only further damages the people who are on the lower end of the hierarchy, which is, you know, I I shouldn't say anyone but white men, but specifically black workers, Latinx workers, um, white women benefiting the most from civil rights law over time. So training must not be the only solution to this issue. Diversity and inclusion offices must not be the only solution to this issue. Unless there are meaningful policies put in place, nothing is going to change. Thank you for listening to Screw the Hierarchy. If you feel like you need more help, I have a free guide to recovery steps at dignitytogether.org slash targets and a sign up for daily boosts through your inbox at the same place. All of the content in this podcast was created and edited by yours truly 
Deb Falzoy, and the music you heard is from Kevin McLeod. All right, have a wonderful rest of your week, and I will see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.